The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. Oh, that's a long ways. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. For the championship. Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the college basketball weekend betting preview. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, is Colin Wilson and Mike Randall. Colin, you're Arkansas Razorbacks on quite a roll. Uh, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I brought them to the table for the team to assess what we damage we can do in March. Alabama blew us away at their house. We blew them away at our house. It was a nice, impressive comeback when we got down early in the second half. I'm continually impressed with the free throws that we're making. That tells me a lot about what we can do coming up in tournaments. But more importantly, we've sealed our fate on the other side of the bracket in the SEC tournament. I'm more interested now in seeing a team that's also hot in Kentucky to see if they fall on the Alabama side or the side that's going to have LSU, Arkansas. You know, there's a chance that one of these sides could be heavily tilted depending on where Kentucky falls. So things are very interesting in the SEC. Look at the Blue Bloods, by the way. Speaking of Kentucky in, in my backyard, Kentucky's on a roll. Duke is on a roll. Michigan State all of a sudden is putting some wins together. And that Michigan State win at Duke earlier in the season now starts to look better. I mean, I don't know how many of those three end up getting in. But, Randall, how goes it, brother? Yeah, you're exactly right, man. It's the Blue Bloods. It's that old gif of the of the Undertaker popping out of the coffin. They're all rolling. Kudos to you, Stuck, for being all over Duke, pounding the orange for their third straight win at home. And now Michigan State with that big win against Illinois. Uh, on Tuesday, tonight, Ohio State. So, yeah, it's, you know, they're, they're coming on strong. Calipari this weekend against Florida. A lot of great games, but they're making a big push. You know, it's not coming on strong. Um, and it's really unfortunate is your alma mater, uh, Boston College. What, oh, now Ke- Kelly's transfer now? <laughs> oh, I mean, my God. Oh, it's stuck. It's awful. Uh, yeah, the tabs. They're playing Notre Dame this weekend, right? I mean, that's normally like a rivalry game. I, we, yeah. Like, come on, man. If you want to, if you want a college basketball blue blood that didn't is not living up to the hype, how about North Carolina trying to get all these teams to get home games and getting blown out by Marquette on their own court? Oh, disastrous scheduling mistake! Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I do like sweaters. I like the feel of not a tie around my neck choking me. So I got a lot of sweaters. We're gonna get into. We're gonna add our final futures to our futures portfolio here in just a second. We're switching it up how we're doing that. I didn't even tell you guys how we're doing it. Um, I just told you to bring one future. We'll bring in the guys from Three Man Weave for our Friday night six pack, which has been on fire the past couple weeks since I implemented punitive measures. And if we had a losing week, so hopefully we can keep that going. We'll take a quick look at Saturday and we'll also take a quick look, uh, just give some quick thoughts on the 
conference tournaments that start early next week. We'll obviously be recording on Thursday next week, so we'll take a look at a lot of the conference tournaments that start next weekend and early the week thereafter. TBD on an additional podcast or any other content on Power 5 conferences. But first, let's just go around the horn. Uh, rant, a takeaway, anything you want to talk about over the last week. Look, I'm starting, I'm starting to get... Get a good feel. We had a great Saturday, and we're going to fire in March. You know, there's going to be times when you lose bets this year when someone is out. The other day, App State, their leading scorer is out. I have no idea why. He played last weekend after they came back from a COVID break, and then he was just all of a sudden out. That's going to happen this year. That's the nature of the beast. But you know what? I, I can't stand this year. I, I'm, I'm, I've accepted the fact that I'm going to lose bets because of personnel issues that I'm not aware of last second announcements, and you hope that it just evens out. I can't stand losing a bet because of incompetent officials. And when I say officials, I mean official. TD Teddy has got to go. I mean, I'm sick of this guy. Every single time I have a bet and he's he's there on the court, I know I'm going to get fucked somehow. And where are my Billikens jersey? A bad week for our futures the last couple days. I mean, Illinois, not going to get a one seed now. DeSumo's hurt. Hopefully, he's back soon. St. Louis loses to VCU in a game where they just call phantom foul at their phantom foul. They don't call a foul in the three. Uh, just a disgusting fit. Like, that could keep St. Louis out of the tournament now. And, it's, of course, it's TV Teddy every time. All of St. Louis's teams fouling out. He's, he's blowing a whistle 10 minutes late on a foul, touch foul, and St. Louis is already headed the other way. Uh, every time I see that guy in the court, I get sick if I have a bet on it. So that's my rant of the week. Randall? Yeah, frustrated that a lot of the teams we like, especially in the A-10, man, I mean, this conference is, is eating each other up. I mean, just knocking each other off back and forth. No Bones Highland, TV Teddy, St. Louis really frustrated me. I like them. I will go down on the ship with St. Louis. I think Same. they can absolutely make a run. Um, you know, Dayton crushes St. Louis at home, plays fantastic. Uh, Davidson really tries to get St. Bonaventure. Bonaventure escaped there, but – just a lot of these smaller conferences sort of eating each other up. And, and we're going to end up, I'm afraid, with one of these, a lot of these seven and nine, you know, big power five teams that I hate. And I, I love to give the little guy a chance, but they got to finish off strong and they can't have, you know, two or three wins here at the end of the uh, losses at the end of the year because it's going to hurt them. Yeah. Uh, Colin, what do you got yeah. for this week? I mean, two small complaints. One would be Tulane not covering the 11. I mean, kind of had it range, but Memphis, give them credit. They had an 18-day layoff after some COVID disruption. Maybe odds makers have finally adjusted for that when we have some of these breaks with these with these delays. But the complaint really for me last night, Hoops, was Seton Hall. Uh, I thought seven and a half, some really good matchups against Butler and shot six of 27 from three. Completely ice cold in the second half, only made to the free throw line for seven shots total. Completely got destroyed uh, on the boards. Butler had 29 defensive rebounds. Pathetic effort from Seton Hall, a team that I thought was ready to dance in March. Yeah, who knows? They, they could possibly find themselves in the bubble. Now they lose back-to-back road games at Georgetown and at Butler. Uh, you have any feel for the Seton Hall team uh, in, your, in, in your backyard, Randall? Yeah, I mean, my issue has been for many, many years that Kevin Willard struggles in these big spots. He was very much on the hot seat. Then they made that huge run in the Big East tournament, and that kind of quieted everyone. But my issue has always been that I, I, I just don't think he's a strong tactician guy. And I think that when it gets to at the end of the year in close games and big spots, they are always going to struggle. So I usually fade them. I find him guys to be similar to Wojciechowski with Marquette, 
Like they have a belief, they have a style, but for some reason, I just feel like it doesn't translate what it needs to. And it goes back to Marquette when they, they gagged it and they could have at least got a share of the Big East title and lost at home to that Mac McClung Georgetown team. I saw that one live. Will you, will you, or will you not ever get over that game? I can't. It's just, that's my point is these guys have these crazy losses that make no sense. And what bothers me is what you guys said the opposite of with Danny Hurley. You said he gets them going. He gets fired up. He gets energy. I don't see that with teams like Seton Hall and Marquette. And that's why, listen, that one surprised me too. Don't get me wrong. But in the end, like you stick to what you believe and you stick to your priors in this case. That's the deal. 50 years from now, Randall's going to be old and senile like us. Awful and, bet. Oh, and, and someone someone is going to say, hey, how are you today? Grandpa Randall. And he's going to say, I can't believe Marquette couldn't close out that game at home for the Big East title. Mac McClung. And they're going to be yeah. like, what? <laughs> um, no, I agree with you. That was uh, – a crazy, a crazy loss. Uh, I'm just messing around with you. Good stuff. Let's take a look into the futures. Here's the thing about the future. Every time you look at it, it changes because you looked at it. We have six futures. Some of them I still like. Um, I don't like them as much as I did last week just because I really wanted Illinois to get the one seed. Like getting the one seed this year is worth so much as we talked about because you avoid Gonzaga and Baylor until the final four. Now, look, you're probably going to have to beat them anyway, but try to avoid them as long as possible and hope someone else knocks them out. That's, that's really the goal here. Um, so, but as of right now, our futures, Illinois, 20 to one, hopefully IO comes back soon. Florida state 38 to one. Really like that one. St. Louis, 125 to one. Uh, can we get in? If we can get in, we can make a run to the final four in the right draw. Rutgers, 80 to one. Don't, don't mind that at all. Alabama, 22 to one. Don't love the price, but don't hate it. I think they're one of the handful of teams that could, you know, could make a run and could potentially beat Gonzaga or Baylor in the best day. So I, I don't mind our portfolio at all right now. I just wish Illinois was trending toward one seed and St. Louis would have not gotten TV teddied and UConn 55 to one from last week, which I, I like as well, especially as book night continues to get back and get healthier. So this week it's our last ad. We, we might from, one of us will have, we could have a recommendation, especially once the bracket comes out. We'll talk about that. But this is our fifth, last official ad to the Futures portfolio for the podcast for this year. And what I told everyone to do, we each brought three teams to the table twice. This week, I told everyone to bring one to the table. And I will tell you how we're going to decide after. Uh, I'll go last this time. Randall, what do you got? You start. I brought back, and we've had them before, but I'm looking for teams that legitimately have a shot, and we've covered a lot of them. I'm bringing back West Virginia. The Mountaineers have won five of the last six games. The only game they lost was double overtime at home to a really solid Oklahoma team. They beat Texas away. That's a nice win. They beat Texas Tech away comfortably as Beard gets kicked out of the game by 11. That's a great win. They beat Kansas at home by 12. They are impressive. Ever since Shibuya has left, I think they've taken it up a notch to a different level. They played Gonzaga earlier this year and gave them the toughest game they had all year, losing by five on the neutral. And, of course, guys, next Tuesday, they are supposed to play Baylor at home, COVID permitting. And if they beat Baylor, this number is going to go sky high. And we saw that Baylor was a little shaky going against Iowa State. I know they struggled at the free throw line. But Miles McBride can make big-time shots down the stretch. He made a big shot there uh, at home to beat Texas Tech. 
Culver inside does a nice job rebounding. The team is coming on. They're taking the, the, the defensive moniker of Huggins and trying to improve as they have all year. I get the limitations, but I don't care about the limitation because everyone we pick right now is going to have them. I want a team with a great coach, with a style, and who has had a strong strength of schedule that will not be intimidated in these big spots. And that's what I have at West Virginia. Okay, fair enough. Uh, country roads. Uh, Colin, who are you bringing? It's interesting that you started off this conversation with the number one seeds and wanting to avoid Baylor and Gonzaga because that is exactly the angle that I took. I I was just I, I didn't want to play around here. This is the last time we're doing the futures portfolio. So I thought I'm not going to go get a long shot. I'm not going to get somebody that's on the bubble and I'm not going to get somebody that I'm going to worry about being an eight, nine seed and ending up with Gonzaga or Baylor. Well, what's the best way for me to avoid Gonzaga or Baylor? Take the number one seed that's currently slotted in at three, who's hot, and that's Michigan. And the best price you can find out there is eight to one. And for me, you know, what I'm looking for when I'm making my final selections in the futures portfolio, I want to be on the other side of Baylor and Gonzaga, avoid them completely till we get to the final four. Michigan probably could drop a game in the Big Ten tournament. They could, could be a complete problem in the Big Ten tournament. I still think they're slotted in for a one seed, considering I think Ohio State is that last number one right now. I think there's some wiggle room for Michigan. They still have Iowa at home. They have Illinois at home. So there's some big games, the Big Ten tournament. I just I think that they can flop and still fall into the one seed. So that gives them value for avoiding the two biggest teams that we've talked about all season. But this team brings it in the most important categories that you need to make a run with the four factors of basketball, one of them being effective field goal percentage. They're fifth on offense nationally. They're sixth on defense nationally. You want a team in the tournament that knocks down free throws? Michigan is 76.7% on the year. They rank 29th nationally. If there's a complaint about this team, it's that they don't draw enough fouls and they don't get to the line. But let's talk about something that people are not realizing with this Michigan team. You see the record that says 16-1. and one, But what you haven't heard about is that they're 13-4 and four against the spread. That's Drake-like. That's Prairie View. That's Navy, the luckiest team in the country. I mean, they're against the spread mark. They're crushing bookmakers. No one's been able to put out a proper line on Michigan all season. So they're slotted into the three. They're going to avoid Gonzaga and Baylor. I get them at a much more attractive price. Uh, eight to one, that's easy to take into the final four. Maybe for some reason there's no reseeding and Baylor and Gonzaga end up in the same draw. You never know. But I think Michigan is a team that is easily going to avoid the two biggest They have a much better price, and they bring it in the four factors analytically. Easy pick for me to bring the portfolio. What could also happen is, like, Baylor loses at West Virginia. Baylor is still dealing with some COVID issues. They they lose in the Big 12 tournament, and, like, Michigan runs the table. Baylor's probably still getting a one seed, but Michigan's probably jumping them. And you could have Baylor and Gonzaga on the same side if that happens. So just a scenario. But regardless, yeah, Michigan is in – prime position to get a one seed. And that's, that would mean that you can avoid theoretically as of right now, Baylor and Gonzaga to the final four. Um, all right, let me br- bring what I'm going to bring to the table. I'm going with another big 12 team. We don't have currently any big 12 teams. So I'm going to bring Texas 28 to one, very experienced senior driven team. They shoot a ton of threes, which I like because they're not like one of the three or four best teams in the country. So they have a high, they have some high variance in that aspect. I think they shoot threes at a top 50 rate nationally. They can defend the rim as well. 
when I look at Texas, and obviously Greg Brown is super talented, but you know Andrew Jones is only shooting thirty percent from three. If he gets hot, uh, this team just is dangerous offensively, oozing with athleticism. And I, I just I, I think that they're undervalued in the market because of how they've been how they've played over the past month or two. They've dealt with a lot of COVID issues. They played Baylor, I think, on February second. They only practiced like one time over the past month. So they haven't really gotten into their full rhythm and routine. We're starting to see them now. Look, they lost to West Virginia by two in a game they were rolling. Huggins made a, made a nice adjustment going to that matchup zone. But they also lost to Oklahoma State in double overtime when they were still getting back into the flow. They lost to Baylor on that game by 14, but you saw the flashes. Like They played a number of games shorthanded. They lost to Oklahoma by one, Texas Tech by two, Villanova by four. These are, those are their only losses. They have no bad losses. They lost to top 25 teams all year long that by one or two. Uh, but I think now this team is going to start rolling. I think that they're undervalued in the market. They're undervalued in their metrics, which are still fine. Like They're still in that range where you want to be in the top 50-ish for combined adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency. They're right there on the border. They're healthy now. The COVID issues are behind them. Uh, I mean, even Shaka Smart had to deal with COVID issues. He wasn't on the sidelines for a couple games. So hook them horns. Uh, This is a team with a lot of continuity, a lot of experience, shoot a ton of threes right on the defensive end. Um, I like them. I like where they're trending. Um, So, that is who I am bringing to the table. Hook 'em horns. The prairie skies are wide and high, deep in the heart of Texas. Now, to decide which one we are going to add, I need everyone to take out a pen of paper. You can just write it on your phone. Now, you could choose your you could choose your one that you brought to the table, and you could rate that the highest. You could give that three points. You give someone else's two, and someone else's one point. You're going to allot three points to one of the picks, two to another, one to another. Maybe someone changed your mind. Go ahead and assign. I'll start with you. Reveal your grades and uh, throw in some commentary if you'd like on the other two picks. Okay. The, the, the one I like the best is Michigan. I love what Colin's saying. It's almost like people are forgetting there's other one seeds besides Baylor and Gonzaga. I heard the other day on a, a podcast I went on that somebody is out there selling a Ticket for Michigan at, let's see, 150 to one to win the title. They put 800 bucks on it and they're letting you get out of it uh, for 13,000. So they're selling it for 13,000 and you can win 130, something like that. That's what they're trying to get for it. They have the exact profile of a team that can win the national title, yet their odds are significantly better than the big two. They're winning on the road, they're winning off of COVID pauses. Dickinson inside. I thought Holtman made a huge mistake doubling Dickinson early in the game against Ohio State and letting those shooters get hot on the road there in Columbus. I gave three points to Michigan. Stuck, I love your argument with Texas because everyone suffers from recency bias. And Texas was a team that when they won the preseason tournament there and they beat Davidson, Indiana, North Carolina, everyone was on them. They loved them. Then they lost at home to Villanova and like everybody jumped off the train. And now because they lost three games in a row in the middle of the year, Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State, people are now off of them. But as I say all the time, man, Texas Tech and Auburn, the year they made the final four, they both lost three straight games. So I like that one better. I like my West Virginia one the least because I thought you guys made really compelling arguments. So I went three, two, one, Michigan, Texas, and West Virginia. What a humble man. Uh, Colin, what do you got? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going with my Michigan is the top pick for everything that I said. But what a what a non humble man! I don't want to guess where I'm going to fall in the bracket. I don't want to fall to the sword of Gonzaga and Baylor and that. And you know, everything else analytically, you guys know me being just a big old geek with stats and shit. I mean, it just falls right in line with everything that they've got. And to, and and say, you know, sorry to say, stuck, but Texas was the one that I gave the one point or two. Listen, there's no shame in what they've done away from the Irwin Center. They've only lost one game. It was double overtime to Oklahoma State. And I like to see neutral courts, away courts. Can you handle yourself away from home? And the truth is, Texas can. And defensively, they're a top 25 team in effective field goal percentage. But what worries me is turnovers are just killing them in Big 12 play, especially over like the last eight games. They are dead last in non-steal turnover percentage. The free throw shooting goes cold. I won't say it goes hot, but it can stay normalized. But sometimes it goes ice cold. Well, the score is Michigan six, West Virginia three, Texas three. Coming to me last, I could make this interesting and change my picks and give my Texas three, but I didn't. I, uh, as a humble man myself, like uh, my friend Mike Randall, I put Michigan at number three. Uh, I put Texas at two and West Virginia one. The thing that scares me about West Virginia is just they're giving up a ton of open shots. They're getting they're just regression coming. I don't know if they can keep shooting as well as they have. But, I mean, Sherman and McBride, I mean, they've been awesome. But So, Michigan gets three points for me. So that makes Michigan nine, Texas five, West Virginia four. Run away from Michigan. Look, basically what it's going to come down to, we have a lot of teams that I think can beat Gonzaga, I think can make a run, is we need one of our teams to win it. Hopefully, and, you know, and then if it's Michigan, we basically we make a little bit of profit and cover the rest of our futures. If Gonzaga or Baylor win it, we shake their hands and, and move on. And St. Louis making a run to the final four wouldn't hurt for a little, for a little hedge action. So um, that'll, that'll wrap it up. Michigan. I think they're one of the teams that can beat Gonzaga or Baylor. And I'm pretty confident they're going to get a one seed. That's really what put them over the top for me. Um, all right, let's move on to our weekend six pack. Six guys, six picks. It's a College Hoops Weekend Six Pack. Everyone's trying to get it right, get it right. Everybody's working for the weekend. All right, last week, again, I mean, just on a roll now, I was the only one with a loss. Great work, everyone. I, I clown, clown noise for me. But everyone else got a win. Let's keep it rolling. We're now joined by the three-band weave, or quickly becoming the most popular college hoops contributors to our Action Network family. Remember, I told you guys, be patient. The weave is, of course, Guy McEwen, Jim Root, and Matt Cox, and they're here to help us build our weekend six-pack, six picks for the Friday Night College Hoops slate. You can catch them on Twitter at 3MW underscore CBB and on the three-man weave podcast. All right, like I said before, since I instituted the new punishment policy, as the authoritative ruler that I am uh, for losing weeks, our six pack crew here has gone seven, two and one. So safe to assume that the intimidation tactics are working. And where's a whip, give me a whip sound. So Kai, it's safe to say you guys have been motivated to pick winners and avoid further punishment. Yes, 100%. A healthy dose of fear goes a long way towards our success. We, we need the stress. We need the stakes. And absolutely. We don't want to ever have to sing again. I'm sure the folks out there never want to hear us sing again as well. 
All right. Well, Kai, um, I know that people definitely don't want to hear me sing, so I couldn't agree with you more. Why don't you kick things off for us? What do you got? Well, I got a scary one. It's Cincinnati minus six for me. And yes, the Bearcats have been a nightmare as a favorite this year. In fact, they're one and nine against the spread as a favorite, and they've only won two games by more than six points all year. I know it sounds kind of scary. Aside from the do theory, though, I do think the Bearcats are a little underrated. A uh, 40-point loss to Houston dropped them 10 spots in Kempom. That was a tough game, but Houston can do that to anybody in the country. This Cincy team still has a lot of talent, led by Keith Williams. The shooting guys is due to come around. Before last game against Tulsa, when Cincinnati went 10 for 26 from three, they were just 28% in February since coming off COVID shutdown. That's due to turn around. They have better shooters than that. In game one against Tulane, they dominated the glass. That should happen again in game two. They are the superior team. They have the superior athletes. And by the way, game one, close six at Tulane, only minus six at Cincinnati. There's value here. You're right. That is uh, very scary, Kai. Cincinnati's offense hasn't been good, but they've actually been better against zones this year. They're like 40th percentile in terms of points per possession against zones, and they're below either eight percentile against man defense so they've had their struggles shooting but they've actually been a better zone offense this year and you're going to see a ton of zone from Tulane um, which could help them Uh, so don't hate it Tulane did they did have this kind of mini resurgence but I think they're coming back down to earth of late so don't hate it good luck to you and us Jim maybe we match again what do you got well, at this point in the season, I love targeting teams that are finally healthy. And that is certainly a description that fits UT Arlington. Last game was the first time all season they had Nicholas Ilame, David Azor, and the shot-blocking monster known as KO all on the court at the same time. That's huge. That gives them a high-scoring backcourt, an enforcer at the rim. And now with all those guys around, I think they're just better than Arkansas State. And looking at a line of minus three right now, that shapes up well. From a matchup sense, their matchup zone is going to give Arkansas State problems, a team that loves to drive, get downhill, and that's just tough to do against the zone. They clog up driving lanes. That's big, and Azor's return really helps on the defensive glass as well. He's one of the best defensive rebounding guards in the country. But to be honest, this isn't that much of a matchup play. It's mostly just one team is better than the other. One team is now healthy. Arlington preseason, I think this game probably would have been up around seven. I would take this all the way up to minus five. I think the Mavericks are a great bet tomorrow. So give me UT Arlington minus three. Yeah, don't hate it at all. Um, Arkansas State has been one of the most surprising teams in the country. I don't know, since the start of February. I mean, they swept Louisiana, but Louisiana had lost their point guard. They slept for the season. And now they swept – then they swept Little Rock, who many thought before the season were going to – either one of those teams could have won the conference. But Little Rock has, has no guard left. They have no guards left at all. Noel left the team. They don't have a guard. They don't have anyone. I mean, they're uh, uh, go look at Little Rock and what they're doing right now. They are free fall. They're free fall mode. So uh, you know, I, am I as impressed with that run? Looking back, no. Before that, they played UT Arlington. They won in overtime, and then they lost by one at home. And then they most recently lost to Texas State. Arkansas State. Their defense is awful. Their offense has been surprisingly much better than. I thought, and a lot of it's because they've been shooting really well. So I think that there's some regression coming in that department. You kind of saw that starting last game when they lost to Texas State. They went 0 of 13 from three. I still think they have more regression coming. So, Jim, 
Great minds again. This wasn't my pick, but it was something that I considered. All right, Matt, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to trail my guy, Jim, in terms of you know targeting a play here that's less matchup-based, more value spot base. I'm going to ride the recent trend that we've seen dogs, particularly larger dogs, uh, bark awfully strong the last week. That's exactly what I have circled here on my slate. A New York state of mind. I'm taking Manhattan from the Mac, not the Mac, double A, double the fun. The Jaspers catching 10 and a half in the early line headed up to Siena after a long two week pause. This is not a COVID pause, folks. The Jaspers have been very cryptic about their um, internal team reporting, but have no reason to believe there's been any positive tests there. So instead of discounting for the COVID shutdowns that have been very impactful recently, I'm actually going to discount Santa's home court because Manhattan's had two whole weeks to travel there, prepare. And there's a motivational edge here as well here, folks. Five teams are tied right now in this maniacal Mac conference standing setup in which not even Steve Jobs himself could reverse engineer the formula. The bottom line is the Jaspers need wins and they are right on the final cut line of making that top six within the bracket which guarantees a first round buy. So you're almost guaranteed to get a locked in and motivated Jasper Bunts. That's been playing great as of late, led by Samir Stewart, started the year off hurt. So there is some value, as Jim mentioned, for teams getting healthier and the Jaspers fit that bill. Give me Manhattan at 10 and a half. Anything down to nine is where I like them. Yeah, and it's worth noting that Sienna, I mean, look, the last couple of weeks, they lost to St. Peter's at home. And they came back and beat St. Peter's. They lost to Marist on the road, and they came back and beat Marist. And they lost to Niagara, and then they came back and beat Niagara. So they have been great in the first game of these back-to-backs recently. Also, it is a very small sample size, but they've been horrific against any kind of press that they've seen this year. Hasn't been many possessions, but you will see that with Manhattan. Don't hate it, Randall. What do you got? Let's go to the Missouri Valley boys and talk about Valpo at home getting points against Indiana State. I love teams getting points at home late in the year in a conference game. Crusaders have played much better than that 6-10 and 10 record would indicate in the Missouri Valley. They beat Drake at home with Hemphill and Penn by 17. Don't forget that. Season really changed for them when they had that 36-point home loss to Loyola Chicago, which followed the loss to DePaul by 19 points. After that, they were down 22 to 9 to Bradley. It looked like things were going the wrong way. They came back and won that game in two overtimes, and they've been a different team ever since. They covered two of the last three, three of the last five, and they played five straight road games, and now they come home. Indiana State has been flying high, which is why this line maybe is a little bit inflated. Sycamores have won nine of 10, but I'm looking for some regression. And in the history of this battle, Valpole won at home last year by nine, lost an OT the year before by five then won at home by six against Indiana State, and then won by 18. So they've done very well at home against Indiana State. You're getting three points. I already locked it in. I'll take the Crusaders at home. They've played very well. They've battled some really strong teams, and I love them getting points at home against Indiana State. Sycamores have played well, but it's time for them on the road maybe not to make as many threes, and I'll grab the points here with the home dog. Don't hate it. Colin, what do you got? Some would say that these are the two fastest teams in the Northeast Conference. I will tell you that these are two of the fastest teams in the nation. I'm going to take the over in LIU and Bryant. Uh, As of this recording on Thursday night, there is no line. Ken Palm projects 161. Uh, Their tempo based on 100 possessions says that they could get up to 165. So I like it up to that number. Uh, Bryant doesn't play any defense. I mean, best shooting team in, in in the NEC. 
but they're also one of the worst defenses in the nation. Uh, they are terrible on the boards. LIU is going to get plenty of putbacks. They're actually 27th nationally in offensive rebounds. Uh, so I expect a lot of easy, quick putbacks for an LIU team that's terrible shooting. Uh, a Bryant team that just wants to score and run as fast as possible. There could be 100 turnovers in this game. Uh, but, I, I mean, th- you're not going to find a matchup of two teams with, with this kind of tempo maybe the entire season. So, take give me the over. Yeah, the only thing that I would that would give me pause with that is, and and I agree, Bryant wants to. I think they lead the nation in transition opportunities, and uh, they want to get out and play fast. Long Island, that's all they want to do, and they want to create turnovers and get out in transition because their half court offense stinks. Is Bryant after the pause? They did play a little slower last week against Merrimack, different kind of team, but that they will. Bryant will play a ton of zone and. And Jared Grasso is one of my, I, I think, one of the most underrated coaches in all of college basketball, Bryant's coach. I, they can win in many different ways, but if he decides to slow this game down and they they just go 100% zone against Long Island, no one has been, I think no one has been zoned more in the country. Actually, Georgia Southern has. I think Long Island is second because Long Island cannot shoot a lick. But as far as your analysis, I do not disagree. And as far as the, the preferences of both teams, yes, they want to play super fast. And it's the only way that Long Island's really going to cover. I think both teams are, as you said, top five in adjusted tempo this year. All right, I'm going – uh, I'll tell you some of the games that I was considering. I'll, I'll be on Drexel in the afternoon. They haven't played in three weeks, which is scary. I've been trying to avoid teams like that. But James Madison hasn't played in like 12 days. James Madison, the surprise. I mean, what a what a season for the Dukes. They won the regular season title. They locked in the top seed already. And now they're going to get to play the conference tournament next week in Harrisonburg on their home court. It got moved from D.C. to Harrisonburg because of uh, down, what, 81 there? Because of COVID issues. And, I mean, a, a, a tremendous job. They're led by Matt Lewis, who might be the player, who should be the player of the year in the conference, or senior guard. They beat Drexel earlier this year, but they have everything locked up. This game is really important for Drexel. Drexel needs to win this game for a bye. They're right on that cut line. If they win, they get a bye. If they don't, William Mary gets a bye. And you want to talk, you want to see a COVID mess. Go look at the Colonial Athletic schedule this week. These teams are supposed to play twice. I think in, in, in Drexel, playing in James Madison. There's only one other game in the Colonial this whole weekend. They all every other game got canceled because all the teams are in code protocol. Drexel hasn't played, like I said, in over like last time I played was February seventh, but they haven't been in the COVID protocol. It's been their opponents. The Colonial is a mess, so I'm, I'm not worried about anyone being out. They've been practicing. Uh, I think you get a big day from Cam Winner here, and Drexel locks up that bye. They get a big road win. Uh, what they're like a pick, but that game starts at four in the afternoon. Uh, nice little afternoon special. Uh, so I can't take that in case you're listening later. I'll probably be looking at my Bowling Green boys against Akron. I would play App State, but I don't know if they're leading score. Gregory is going to be playing, so I'm hesitant there. Louisiana Little Rock, by the way. I mean, interesting game of two teams that have lost their point guards. Little Rock is just such a mess, but Louisiana keeps getting lucky. So I wanted to avoid there. I'll probably be on St. Louis in some capacity, but I'm not sure I want to lay points with them because of their free throws. But I think they match up really well with Richmond, as I said a couple weeks ago before their game that got canceled. But I ultimately settled on Georgia State, minus one 
at South Alabama. A huge, this is a huge game in the conference. The top two seeds in each division get a bye. South Alabama just needs to win once this weekend to secure one of those buys. Georgia State either needs help or needs to sweep. So I think this will be a really competitive game and a really competitive series, but I think Georgia State is just better. You want to talk about the regression monster? I think that it's coming for South Alabama. It's going to help Georgia State. During league play, Georgia State is shooting 30% from three. This is a team that last year was in top 50 nationally shooting the three. South Alabama opponents in league play are shooting 30%. Georgia State last in, in the league three-point shooting. Georgia State first overall in three-point defense. Georgia, I mean, South Alabama plays uh, a ton of zone, one of the most zone-heavy teams in the country. But they've been giving up open looks. No one can hit them. I remember a game against App State at the end when they won by two. App State had like seven open looks from three to win the game, and they just kept missing them all. Uh, so, I mean, South Alabama has been running really well. They've won eight straight, but, I mean, they just beat App State by two. App State was six of 27 from three. The game before that, they beat App State by two. App State was six of 26 from three. They, they, before that, they beat Troy. Troy was six of 22 from three. They won that game by seven. Game before that, Troy eight of 23 from three, a little better. They win that game by three. The last time they played Georgia State, they won by three. Georgia State was five of 25 from three. Coming off a COVID break, South Alabama only won by three. I mean, it goes all. I mean, you go back to Coastal Carolina. They won by six and they won by four. Started off this winning streak by beating Georgia Southern, who was eight of 36 from three. All these teams are shooting 20% from three. They're due to have shots from their opponents start to fall. Kane Williams, who was only shooting 30% on the year before last game, has been much better throughout his career. He found his shot last game. I think this team, look, South Alabama does do some things well defensively that Georgia State likes to do mainly in the pick and roll. But uh, I think Georgia State matches up well. They're the more talented team. Their aggression monster is coming. This game's at 9 o'clock on ESPN2. Big big conference tournament implications. I think Georgia State gets it done on the road. And if they don't, I'll be back to them again on Saturday. So there you have it. Kai went with Cincy, minus six versus Tulane. Jim, UT Arlington, minus three against Arkansas State. Matt, Manhattan, plus 10.5 against Siena. Colin went with... The Bryant over, unfortunately, that means that game will get canceled. <laughs> Randall went with Valpo plus three, and I went with Georgia State minus one at South Alabama. Let's have a night, folks. All right, let's move on to Saturday and go around the horn here. So many games, so little time. Let's look at the Saturday slate. Uh, Randall, let's, let's switch it up. Let me start with you this week. What do you got? It's circling the wagons, guys. Is Texas Tech really going to lose four in a row? They're at home playing Texas, a team that they beat because McClung really hit that buzzer. I like Texas. We just talked about them with the future. But they're at home favored by two in a game they absolutely have to have. Texas was fortunate there. They beat Kansas. So they come into this game. Texas Tech is going to be desperate. And I'm just going to bank on the fact there that the defense is going to show up, that they're going to find a way to get this one home here in a game that they absolutely need to have to really right the ship. They have lost five of their last eight games and three in a row. So they get back home here. Kyler Edwards needs to get going again. McCullough has gotten back into form. Remember, he was out for a while and he was, you know, getting acclimated. So I expect a big effort. The number is going to be low. I'm going to take the Red Raiders at home. 
Colin? Yeah, I'm going to go with Alabama and Mississippi State on the over uh, this weekend. And, and technically, Alabama has not clinched the number one seed in the SEC. I know that was a big motivating factor for them against Arkansas. But the the thing is with Mississippi State, when you look at them, you see 293rd in tempo. But that's not really true when they faced a team that's fast. LSU also has a lot of tempo, a lot of scoring. That game was 94 to 80. Alabama and Mississippi State played each other earlier this season, 154 points. Uh, I think Alabama is going to try to find their shot. They will go as fast as possible. Major droughts in that Arkansas game. I think they get off the schneid against Mississippi State. Don't hate it. Um, if you look at some of the shot quality metrics out there, I think if you just, if you just type in shot quality, that there's an actual site that goes up that you can look into some of these stats and it really looks at like the quality of shots that you take and quality of shots you give up. It's not an end all be all statistic. Cause you also have to look at like some teams get quality shots, but they just suck. Um, and like there's, there's other factors that go into it, but as from a, from a, a luck per perspective, West Virginia has been getting very fortunate Clemson, and Navy, I mean, no matter what lucky metric you look at with Navy, they, they're they going to be the luckiest team in the country. And no matter what luck metric you look at, guess who's going to be dead last? It's Loyola, Maryland. And guess who they play each other, Loyola, Maryland, and Navy on Saturday. Hold your nose, people. We're going back to Loyola, Maryland, who I think the last time we played them against Navy was down like 24 nothing, 12 minutes in. Uh, we're going back. I was going to slam this because Navy was like locked into the one of the divisions in the Patriot League and Loyola needed to split one of these games to get into the conference tournament in this stupid Patriot league format where they have three divisions of like three teams and the, the, the top two teams in each division get in based on the division record. Like the, the teams only played like three games against their division. So dumb. They just announced today. It took me forever to figure this out this week, but then they announced today that just everyone's getting in. I, I mean, so whatever, but I'll be on them. Kansas state. They're playing better of late. I think you're going to get a good big number. Maybe you can get like, 16, 17 at West Virginia. West Virginia also has Baylor on deck. Uh, I think Kansas State can stay within that number. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna play Miami against Clemson. Hold your nose, another big number. But I think those are three good spots, and those are three teams that have been unlucky from a shot quality perspective against three teams that have been pretty fortunate. So I'll start there. Randall, what do you got next? Well, this is not going to surprise anyone listening to this podcast, guys. Marquette stinks. Okay, and they're going up against Connecticut. Listen, let's not do the knee-jerk reaction. They beat Butler by 16. Congratulations. And then the big win over North Carolina. I get it. Well, that's because North Carolina has weak guards. I understand Greg Elliott. Every once in a while, Greg Elliott has a big game. He's totally screwed me against Creighton, you know, a month ago, but no problem. Now they're playing Connecticut. I have to lay seven. I have no problem with that number. Marquette is still 9-14 and 14 against the spread this year. I don't think they're going to show up and have a big game like they did against North Carolina. Connecticut's defense is too good. Book night is rolling. They return home, laying the points with the Huskies against my favorite fade, Marquette. Bring it all full circle with the Marquette fade. Uh, Colin, where are you going next? Well, Illinois took a loss, and I think that as we're recording this here in just a little bit, I think they're going to pound Nebraska into oblivion, and that means they're going to come into the Wisconsin game you know, hopefully with a big win, a uh, big double-digit win against Nebraska, they won't be as heavily motivated. We'll see how uh, AO is doing with a mask on. Uh, but Wisconsin, if we're talking about a team that is desperate for a signature win, it's the Wisconsin Badgers. If you look at it per Ken Palm, they don't have a single win over anybody that's ranked in the top 25. Uh, they're big, 
without the only team that they've beaten in the top 25, according to Ken Palm, is Loyola Chicago. So if you go back and look, Iowa, Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State, Michigan again, they lost all those games. So a team that's looking for a signature win is Wisconsin. I think they'll be playing out of desperation. Uh, I think they'll put up a pretty good effort and at least cover the spread. Uh, yeah, keep your eye on Desumu's status. I don't. I think he's going to be back. Maybe back for that game. He's got a broken nose. Uh, he's not playing against Nebraska tonight. Um, so keep your eye out there. Maybe Reavers and Potter can show up in a big game against a big, big like Coburn because they've just been non-existent against these bigs when they played these better teams, uh, especially on the glass. Um, all right, where am I going to go next? Uh, I think Xavier's in a good spot against Creighton. Creighton's obviously coming off. Uh, they're, you know, they blew out DePaul. They beat Villanova. They have Villanova on deck. They're on a little bit of a roll here. I think this might be a little bit of a sleepy spot at Xavier. Xavier, last home game, senior night off a bad loss against Providence. They really need this game for their tournament hopes. They've dealt with COVID issues, uh, lineup issues, but I, you really want to keep an eye on if Nate Johnson can go here. He didn't play last game. Um, they really need his outside shooting. I think he might. he's going to play. Keep an eye on my piece for my Saturday spots, which if you're looking for fades, you can certainly do that because they're like 15-3 and three the last three weeks. But uh, So you want to talk about the regression monsters, probably coming for me. But uh, I think you can catch – you're catching Xavier in a good spot here. Maybe we can get four or five plus and be pretty certain that Nate Johnson is going to go. I know some people connected to the program, so hopefully I can get some good intel there. Also, keep in mind, Montana, they've been very bad on the second game of back-to-back. So like one in six. They, they, they win. A lot of times they'll win the first game of these back-to-backs and they'll lose the second. Uh, they've been one of the worst teams as far as expected performance. Uh, in the second game of the back-to-back. Um, and Iowa State, I'll, I'll throw another team out there, Iowa State, they're still fighting. Still fighting. They fought Baylor. I know Baylor was coming off COVID. They don't have a conference win yet. They close out the season at home against TCU. Uh, I think they win that game. Um, I'll be looking at the clones there. Randall, where are you going next? Last one I'm doing is Wofford at home, probably getting a point or two against Furman. Wofford pounded Furman, beat him pretty convincingly, actually, away, 75-67 back on February 6th. I've tracked Furman all year. I understand they shoot the three. I still think people are are thinking of a Furman team from past. They are not killing teams against the spread. In fact, they're struggling. Eight and 12 Furman against the spread this year, three and eight on the road. And in their last 10, they are three and seven. So I think we picture Furman being bombs away three-pointer. When they're hot, they cover by 15 or 20. That has not happened. Here's Wofford at home, last game of the year, already beat Furman by eight away. Now they're home and they're going to be a slight underdog. I like them a lot. Give me the point or two, whatever it is. Wofford matches up well with Furman and Furman has not been covering this year. I actually have to disagree with you, Randall, and I hate to do it, but um, and I, but I'm I'm in love with this Furman team, and it, it's burnt me sometimes this year. So uh, take what I say with a grain of salt. But Furman, look, this game, if Furman wins, they win the regular season title and in, and in, in get the top seed in the Southern Conference. If Wofford wins, they could. If Greensboro loses earlier in the day at ETSU, um, if Greensboro wins, beats ETSU, and then Furman loses, Greensboro would get it. Blah blah blah. Basically. Furman does control their own destiny. But in that game, they, Wofford went nuts in the final 10 minutes. I mean, 
they were they scored 40 points over the first 30 minutes. They were down by nine with 10 to go, and they went bonkers and won that game. Also, last year, Wofford knocked out Furman, uh, a much better Furman team um, in the conference tournament, eh, which was it was actually a pretty big upset. It was in their first game of the conference tournament. Furman lost to Wofford. Um, so you're right. Wofford kind of has had Furman's number, but I think that this, this Furman team has – I mean, this is one of the – this is a team that just has as much continuity as anybody. It's a three-and-rim offense. They have multiple ball handlers. I think that they come out against Wofford um, and get the win. But I, I could be wrong. I have way too much – maybe I have too much love for Furman as I have this year. Colin, what do you got? Yeah, last one for me is going to be a team that we have a futures portfolio on, a team that's going to be a short – road favorite that's florida state against north carolina we just saw north carolina show their ass against marquette uh these two teams played each other earlier in the season florida state won by seven and they had a bad game they shot 47 percent from the paint very much not like them where they dominate is defense in the paint and that's what north carolina likes to do they're 11th in the nation and point distribution from the two-point area and that's what florida state covers uh, better than anybody in the country. Uh, I don't like what I saw from North Carolina. Florida State right now is hot, and they are rolling through teams. And what Florida State does defensively should be able to shut down North Carolina. And when you look at the box score, Florida State had a bad game and still beat them by seven. So I'm going to be all over the Seminoles. Well, what I, I have to dis- I'm going to have to disagree with both of you for like, <laughs> I have UNC circled here. An absolutely pathetic effort, and a lot of it was just effort. Just not switching defense. I, I mean, against Marquette, it was sad. They could find themselves on the bubble here shortly. And I think you get UNC's best effort. Roy Williams, after a loss in his career, has been tremendous against the spread. I think he's just since 2005 in our database, he's 66, 45, and three, like 60% against the spread. That's fifth best out of 775 coaches covering by over two points per game. Usually good in these spots. I agree that Florida State's defense matches up well with UNC, but so does UNC. UNC has the size to match up with Florida State. Florida State, I love them, and I love their tourney potential, but I don't think they can keep shooting at this clip. They're shooting, I think, 42% in conference play from three. They're they're scoring 1.34 points per possession on guarded jumpers. I mean, that's insane. The second best in the country is 1.24. So I think that there's some regression coming here. UNC, maybe they can hit some jumpers. They're not a really good shooting team, but I think you get the very best effort here. Florida State has been a little vulnerable on the road at times this year. They're just so good at home. Even without fans, they're still good at home this year. Uh, so I might be on the heels here. Uh, but let me, let me finish it up. Loyola, Maryland, Miami, Kansas State, Iowa State, Xavier, Furman, UNC. So I hate to disagree with my boys in the final two, but that's why we love doing this. Give you both sides of the coin sometimes. All right, before we get out of here, there are a couple of conference tournaments that start early next week. We have the A-10, the Atlantic Sun. The Atlantic Sun, by the way, Bellarmine, who's not eligible for the NCAA tournament, but they will they can play in the conference tournament. They'll play Liberty at noon in Freedom Hall. Uh, their home court at noon on ESPNU, I think, for the regular season championship in their first year. It's crazy. I think they were picked to finish last. Uh, the Ohio Valley, Missouri Valley, West Coast Conference. I mean, West Coast, it's like Gonzaga's going to win it. Who cares? 
you get like you get like a plus in the West Coast, you get like a quadruple bye to the semis if you're the one seed. So I, I don't really care about the West Coast. Maybe you have a hot take there. Missouri Valley, I, it's going to be hard for me to make a case for anyone other than Loyola after Drake has lost Penn and Hepo. The Ohio Valley is intriguing to me. The Atlantic Sun, meh. The Atlantic 10, you know I'm probably going to be on St. Louis. Where I'm targeting, I'll have a piece, two pieces, one for next week, one the week thereafter of all my conference tournament features that I've played. But the Ohio Valley, look, Belmont is obviously the class of the conference, but Eastern Illinois is going to be a really intriguing number because they're finally healthy now. I mean, this team's winning is like 15-point underdogs and 10-point underdogs. They have all their pieces back. They're so undervalued in the market. They might have to play Belmont very early in the tournament, but you're probably going to play Belmont at some point anyway. Austin P. is Jordan Adams healthy, but they have Terry Taylor. They gave Belmont a game earlier this year. Those are the two teams that interest me. Randall, any thoughts on any of these conference tournaments that start next week prior to Friday? Because as I said before, on Thursdays, we record Thursday's podcast next week. We'll cover all the conference rooms that start next weekend and early the week thereafter. What are you seeing in any one of or multiple of these conferences? Yeah, just to go around the horn, the A-Sun, I just watched Liberty Pound Northern Alabama twice. I mean, they look really good. If you're looking for a team to knock them off, I'm with you. It's Bellarmine because we haven't seen them against Liberty. I mean, you're going to get a great number on them because it's the first year in D1. Uh, they won 10 games in a row. They got a road sweep of Florida Gulf Coast. They play Lipscomb tough at home in, in home games, both games early in January. So they're the number. Pedro Bradshaw there, 15 points per game, 7.3 rebounds, a guard that, that rebounds. So who knows? We haven't seen them play yet, but if you're looking for a long shot, that's fine. Ohio Valley, I'm with you. Moorhead State plays real solid defense. I know people have been struggled to buy into Moorhead State, but they do have a style there that can go against Belmont. If someone's going to go against them, I think I'm going to take a defensive team. Also, Jacksonville State, guys. I see it out there maybe around plus 1,800. Last time, last team that won it in 2017, other than like a Murray or a Belmont. And Huffman is the key inside. He can be a game changer. He was out for a couple games. He's back and, and playing well. And I'm with you stuck on Missouri Valley. I mean, it's got to be Loyola. Uh, they're going to roll. And, and that's a, a team, of course, that is super dangerous once they get in the tournament. The problem with Jacksonville State, I, I agree. You, they, they have given Belmont problems at times in the past. They just played them really close, but Belmont was like, Two of 30 from three. Uh, Moorhead, you have to love Broom, the freshman, uh, inside. He's a hell of a player. Uh, I'll have my OVC right up, but some of these are probably going to be chalky. By the way, if Bellarmine wins it, wins the conference tournament, then Liberty will go to the tournament because they'll get the auto bid. Um, or if North Alabama, North Alabama's not eligible yet for the NCAA tournament either. Really stupid. They can play, they're transitioning, so not eligible for the NCAA tournament yet. But we'll have lots of content on all the conference tournaments, previews for each one. Maybe we'll do little one-off podcast episodes. We'll see. Regardless, next week we'll cover all of the conference tournaments that start uh, after next Friday more in depth. So that'll do it for us. Thanks again to the guys from Three Man Weave. Thanks, as always, to Colin Wilson and Mike Randall. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. You know the drill. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. Leave a review. By the way, giveaways, Mace Dalla, shouting out Colin and I and Randall for, you know, college basketball and college football content, counting on 18 and 19-year-olds to get us home to the window. How about Minesweeper? Loves all the hosts. And uh, then he get, he shits on, he gives us a four-star review out of five. That's fine. Prefer the five, but that's fine. And then he shits on uh, Mitchell our producer for some of the sound effects that are useless. 
which made me laugh. Mitchell, I know he shit on you, but you're giving him a giveaway. You will always be held to a different, higher standard. And it's fucked up, but that is the way it is. By the way, reach out to him on Twitter or send an email to podcast at actionnetwork.com or on Twitter at old boy Uncle Mitchell. Just message me. So you're getting giveaways. Patio boy, great series of pods, hundreds and fifties, onions. He likes the interviews with uh, guests from that are experts in other mid-majors, which I do too. We'll try to have a couple more. And uh, Benito222, he loves us. We love you for the reviews. So you guys are all getting giveaways. Um, make sure you reach out to our producer. So again, leave reviews. Let's have a Friday night. Let's have a winning six-pack. Let's have a winning weekend. And then a winning March. I'm excited. You're excited. We appreciate you listening. We'll catch you all next week. Cheers. Peace out. Popcorn. We're finished talking.